Yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us for this latest episode of INC Radio, episode number 20. Hard to believe it, Claire, we've done 20 episodes yeah. of us just rambling on about nothing. Yeah, it's been 20 episodes. Feels like it's been like a year, I think. Like, When was the first episode? Can you even remember what we were even talking about? I think we started it in January, because I know one of the first episodes we did, we covered the uh, the Blahovitz Corey Anderson card. So I think okay. it'll be about January time. So yeah, 20 episodes. And considering this was just something to keep us busy during lockdown, because we didn't want to just be funny YouTubers, I think pretty impressive going. Yeah, I love it. Pleasure I to be here. I certainly do as well, because I think as much as I do enjoy doing those normal videos where we talk about what's been happening in the world of MMA, I mean, it's sort of very formal. I love doing the rewatches. We can just enjoy oh, yeah. some classic events, and if maybe the fights aren't great, or we've got some big talking points which have been happening in MMA, and there have been a lot over these past seven days, we can discuss those. It's, it's very much sort of like the fight companion, just crap. Yeah, it's something to sort of uh, lead the conversation in case we ever <laughs> run out of stuff to talk about. It's just something to sort of lead us in the direction. I like it. I certainly do as well. Now, I want you to explain this one, Claire, in a bit more detail, why exactly we have chosen this uh, event that we're going to be watching today. Well, you brought up a list, and I was going to ask you the same question, but my best guess is uh, this is the real baddest man on the planet matchup, this main event. This is true heavyweight main event. This is a true heavyweight title fight. This is like definition textbook edition of a heavyweight title fight if you look that up in the dictionary you'll find you'll find Carlin versus Lesnar that's the way I look at it as well I gave Claire a list of options of different uh, title fights all which had some sort of link towards UFC 252 now we had UFC 31 which had one of the one of the great heavyweight fights Randy Couture Pedro Hizzo uh, UFC 166 which was the final fight of the Stipe versus not Steve, the um, JDS versus Kane trilogy fights. Yeah. We also had yeah. uh, Daniel Cormier and Steve's second meeting, UFC 241. That was actually the one which I think most people wanted us to watch, but we oh. chose. <laughs> but we chose UFC 116. A uh, big part of the reason for that is there was a lot of build around uh, Steve versus DC. People calling this the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history, and I just thought to myself. Every time they mention that, I just thought about this fight. Because this mm -hmm. was so eagerly anticipated when it happened. We've got two giants. I mean, literal giants. <laughs> Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin. We'd seen Brock dominating people with his wrestling. We'd seen Shane Carwin knocking everyone out in like 10 seconds. So seeing these two <laughs> come together. And I think it's what, the eighth most bought pay-per-view of all time? Really? So it, okay. Holy it's a real crap. sign of how hype this fight was. And I think it blows... Personally, I think it blows... In terms of hype, it blows Stipe versus DC out of the water. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But anyways, we should we should get into it, shall we? We got we, a long freaking card. We do. Um, and I, I want to borrow a line from Luke Thomas. I've got a very busy schedule coming up, so we need to get this one going. <laughs> Unfortunately, we All don't right. have Jay to rant at. Yeah, that's true. We don't have Alex or somebody in the background <laughs> editing all of this for us. And take the way. 
for anybody who's watching um, who wants to join us on these rewatches, uh, we'll start the video. Like in... Join us along. Uh, three, two, two one, go. Go. Clay, of course, will be listening to this one with sound. I've just got it on mute because I'm picking up all the footage and we don't want um, Zuffer and Dana White getting berserk on us. I do oh, love the classic. So corny, but it works so well. The gladiator and Joe. <laughs> yeah, definitely for this fight. This feels like something you'd see in a col coliseum or something. <laughs> I think the big thing we need to talk about, though, obviously we'll be discussing the fights in a bit more detail when we actually get to oh, them. Yeah. Um, considering everything that's been happening over the past seven days, what was your opinion on the uh, Steep Air DC fight? I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. A really surprising. Really surprising. Even though I picked Stipe, I'm pretty sure I picked like Stipe first round knockout or something. I kept on saying the uh, the Apex, like the Octagon, would play like a difference in the fights. Did you think they did? I've, I expected it to. It didn't really have as much um, impact as I, as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah was honestly. <laughs> There was only like one takedown that um, that um, DC scored in that fight. Yeah, I was actually very underwhelmed by um, by his performance, to be honest. And I think yeah, really, not necessarily because DC fought badly. I just felt sometimes with a fighter, they just have one more fight than they should. And I felt that was DC's fight. He looked like a forty-one-year-old in there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely looked his age, but uh, I think the turning point was when Stipe realized, like, if he pushes him, if he puts on so much pressure, like, DC can't do anything. He's just going to do that sort of zombie-style herky-jerky sort of uh, head movement, and that gets him in trouble a lot. And Stipe, amazing IQ on that fighter. So many people don't bring that up. Like, they're probably studying tape on DC for so long, and same with DC, but... Stipe, man, his IQ, man, it's amazing. The one that <laughs> in that third round, when he, uh, it was like the end of the round when he pressured him up against the cage and he realized that he couldn't do anything. He almost finished him. Like, I thought that was it. I thought they stopped it in between rounds. The one that really woke me up to how intelligent Stipe was was the second fight. Because yeah. he was the one yeah. who decided to go after the body. His team yeah. didn't even think that was a, that was a potential turning point he was the one who recognized hey dc doesn't like these body shots and he just kept hammering it and hammering it yeah yeah he's always trying new things he's always trying if he sees something is working he'll keep on trying it and trying it not many fighters like to do that and i think the big question as well is there's a lot of people bringing this up and we sort of touched on it with gina yeah, before the fight there's a lot of people calling steepy the greatest heavyweight of all time <laughs> but yeah. there's a certain famous Russian who a lot of people are saying, hey, don't forget about this guy. Yeah, speaking of famous Russian, his uh, teammate just knocked Biden out Nemkov. Ryan Bader. The yeah, pound for pound best light heavyweight in the world, Ryan Bader. <laughs> you think Coker's pissed off right now? What do you think he's thinking? I think he's very disappointed because he had... I mean, Bader was one of the few big stars that Bellator had. I yeah. mean, the double champ status was a big factor in that. Um, I'm not going to be one of these people who, in hindsight, is going to be saying um, that ba I knew that Nemkov was going to win. But yeah, I, saw, I, I saw Bader on the scales. 
uh, yesterday, and I I tweeted it. I said he looked awful. <laughs> There's very yeah. Few... I didn't get to see the way in. I should go back and watch that. He was. It was the worst meal way in I've seen since. Um, I'd probably say what Romero two twenty five. That was the that was the second worst one. Yeah, like there was your Romero, and then there's Ryan Bader yesterday, and I just think it was he hadn't fought it two or five since uh, twenty seventeen, and I think it showed. It just seems yeah. slower. He just seemed less agile, and I know Holy that the judges. Crap. I know the judges. Looking at the photo right now. Holy crap! It's a bad one. Yeah, you're right. I know the judges gave Bader the first round. I personally thought it was Nemkov. I just thought he was too fast for Bader. Bader looked his age in that fight. Yeah, really, a lot of the stuff that he was trying to implement just wasn't working. Nemkov, he was just too quick. He was too quick for him. And if you look at the record, like, it's not really surprising when you look at Nemkov. Like, really, he's never been knocked out. He had a... If you want to watch a great fight, look up when he fought Yuri Prohashka in Ryzen. That's an amazing fight. It's quite insane that we're bringing that fight up now because they're both top contenders now. That was back in 2015, man, when they fought. I tell you what has happened, though. Prohashka's road to the title has got a lot clearer in the past seven days. Not only, oh, be yeah. not only because of John Jones going up to heavyweight, which we'll be discussing in a lot more detail, but Corey Anderson's gone to uh, Bellator as well. And yeah. everybody was saying that Corey Anderson versus Prohaska was the fight they were going to make. Yeah, yeah, I definitely thought that would be it. After that, I was saying uh, maybe Santos, Thiago Santos. And I was thinking at the time, uh, I don't know, because John Jones is in there. And then now it's all freed up. I think I think that's a possibility. <laughs> I really think it is because they got the Rocket. Maybe he could fight the Rockish versus... Uh, Rockish versus Smith. Yeah, Smith winner. Maybe he could fight them. I don't know, but I feel like they'd want a, something bigger than Yuri, you know? I tell you what, Rockish versus Pahovska could be a hell of a fight. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy that I get to talk about Prohoshka now. It's just nuts, man. And you know, I've said this as well. I said this, you know... Like, light heavyweight gets a lot of crap these days. People say it's nowhere near as good as it was, say, five or six years ago. Yes, the top rung isn't as good as, say, Jones, DC, Rumble, etc. But you look at those guys around those top ten rich. You look at the Pahovskas, the Rakiches, the Ankalaevs of the world. I would much rather take those kind of fighters than Shogun and Little Nog, sort of clinging onto their top ten place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we got to think about Texera too. He's uh, he's got some steam going as well. Glover's turnaround's been fantastic because a lot of oh, people man, wrote Glover. him off after the uh, Corey Anderson fight and just thought, yeah. "Hey, this is a this is a big name to feed our youngsters to." But then he turns over Carl Roberson, and then he turns over the Hulk, and he just keeps going and going. And now he's going to be fighting Thiago Santos. If he wins that one, he's got the Reyes Blahovitz winner. When's that fight happen? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I, think in, I think it's second week of September. Okay. I didn't even know that that was announced. That's why I brought up Yuri versus Santos. <laughs> and I don't know but, about oh, you. Shit. I think Glover's got a chance in that. I think coming oh, back, yeah. an ACL injury is very yeah. hard for a fighter to come over, overcome. And uh, Tiago blew both of them. 
Yeah, it was a very bad injury. Like, that's, like, pretty much one of the worst injuries you can get other than, like, an Anderson Silva, like, snap, obviously. But, like, in terms of time-consuming recovery, yes. that's, like, the biggest one you can get. <laughs> and we know, like, it's going to be – he's not going to look anywhere the same, in my opinion. And we know as well how how impactful uh, Santos is with his kicks. So that's his yeah. biggest weapon, which it might take a long time to – reached the level it was. Like, I remember with Frank Mir. Frank Mir had that motorbike crash. Yeah, and he was yeah. never the same fighter for, like, a good three or four years. It wasn't really until, ironically, the Brock fight, where things started to turn around for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. I didn't even know that that fight was booked. <laughs> I was surprised to see Ankalaya versus Kutalaba got booked again. It's sort of becoming it's sort of becoming like another twenty versus Khabib. We've had a lot of those, a lot of like arranged and then rearranged and then re rearranged fights. Quite in strange though. People are testing positive, and then like two weeks later, not even like two weeks later, like a week or so later, they're negative. Like it's crazy. The only one who didn't bounce back from something like that was like Shocker. Like we haven't even heard from him no, since then. Is, no. he, is he okay? Like <laughs> we haven't even heard anything. I honestly, I honestly haven't heard anything either. Um, I hope the Jacker is okay because, from his perspective as well, he's what 39, 40 years old. So yeah. his prime is being eaten away by this illness. Yeah, most of the fight, I think it's just false positives. I think that's what's happening. Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but that's probably the best answer. Look at Kenny Florian here. Speaking of the pay per view, you see that? <laughs> look, look at that. <laughs> What's happened with Kenny Florian? Or not Kenny Florian, Eddie Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I mix those two up? I, I think it's because uh, Mike Goldberg was saying that on the broadcast. He's talking about Kenny Florian, that's why. I tell you what I did notice Look from at that. Him. <laughs> I tell you what I did notice from that Bellator broadcast, mind you. I used to have a soft spot for Mike Goldberg. Um, but now you see him on the Bellator cards and you realize that the UFC made the right decision go with John Anik. I don't think it's that. I think it's just the pairing that he has. It just makes him look a lot worse than he really is, to be honest. He doesn't have somebody to bounce off, really. And the thing he is, he doesn't have the Joe Rogan next to him. And the thing is, like John McCarthy is a very knowledgeable person. And yeah, like during that end fight sequence, it was great to hear him in the replay talk about like the head kick that he landed. He was behind the head, but he said it was totally legal because Bader turned into it. Like I love hearing those type of technical tidbits, but when he's in there doing play by play, it's horrible. Cause <laughs> so bad. I mean, if you look like the great commentary moments, a lot of it is helped by the color commentators. I mean, we all talk about say with. Um, with uh, DC when he was going berserk after Rose beat Ioana. He yeah. made that into a big epic moment. You can't really see mm. big John McCarthy having that sort of thing. I do like yeah. him. I do like Josh Thompson, though. Josh Thompson is a good commentator. He's a good addition to that team. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, probably the... I don't want to say the best decision, but it definitely breathes some life into it. <laughs> Doesn't make it as dead as it should be. Because he and uh, Big John have chemistry as well because they do the podcast yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Just for anybody who's uh, wanting to keep updated with the broadcast right now, we're just going through the intros for our first fight. So it's Kurt Bellagrino taking on George Sotteropoulos. <laughs>
that's pretty. I thought I was. Yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, Canada. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I think it's Vancouver, Washington. I think that's where he's fighting out of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's an Australian, Sotteropolis. Okay. Like, there was one spot of time, you know, like, bearing in mind what people like Whitaker are the sign you have done. Uh, there was one time when Solid Greatest Down Under Fighter was George Sotteropoulos. Because this yeah. was pre Mark Hunt, so he was Australia's golden child at this moment in time. Yeah, the fight has started. We're at 450, 449, 448, 447. It's George Sotteropoulos taking on Kurt Bellagrino. I was actually talking about this, you know, when it comes to like the big super shows that the UFC do, when they have a big marketable star like a, like a Brock or a Connor or a Ronda, that sort of thing. What way would you go when it comes to the undercard? Do you think to yourself, hey, we've got more extra eyeballs on this. We're going to we're going to basically up our game. We're going to show, hey, this is what the UFC is about. You can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Or do you think to yourself, everybody's going to be watching this card anyway. So let's save some of our semi-big stars and use them for weaker shows. I'm thinking we do the Connor versus Cerrone approach. The Raquel Pennington versus Holly Holm co-main. Perfect idea. Just cobble it together in a month. I don't <laughs> want to see another Holly Holm fight. Because uh, honestly, I I know that uh, something's happened at Jackson Wake, you know. They have become one of the dullest training camps in the USA. Just none of their fights take. Oh, oh he's dropped them. George Dropolopoulos just dropped them. You've been working on that one for a long time, then, yeah, George Dropolopoulos. <laughs> no, that one just slipped out. I didn't realize what I did there. It's on top. Trying to go for the neck. See, this for me was Sotteropoulos' forte for me, but he's back to his feet. Because not the most entertaining fighter in the world, hell of a grappler. But no, I think. There's something about Jackson Wing which made them very risk-averse. And hey, if it gets fighters to win, all credit to them, but you need to be making statements, I think, and Jackson Wing fighters have stopped doing that. Something I read on Twitter today, uh, Steve Irwin, he was a fan of MMA, and he got his bodyguard to actually go to Jackson Wing and train to be a fighter, and he actually fought in the UFC. <laughs> no joke. I'll have to look up who it was. I can I can probably pull it up, but pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was like a picture of Steve Irwin and like um he had like a boxing glove on and he was practicing his takedown, so I don't know if he had no MMA gloves, but You're gonna give MMA on point a new video ID with this, aren't you? You're gonna do something about sort of like celebrities taking up the sport and that sort of thing. They've probably done that. They've probably done top ten celebrities in MMA. <laughs> that's that's so clear cut, they must have done that. I did one... Pretty sure you did that. I'm pretty sure you did that. I've done sports stars. So it's people yeah. who were like prominent in other sports. So we had like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose yeah. Canseco and Adam Holyoke, who was like a, a prominent cricketer for England. Which I, I just find really amusing because just the idea of all... Like we have a primarily American audience who watches the <laughs> channel. So me talking about cricket would just go... Just what they're gonna be hearing crickets if you're talking about cricket, okay? <laughs> I tell you what, like the Brits often give Americans a lot of grief in, in regards to what sort of sports they like. 
But oh, yeah. we have we have a game in our country which takes five days to play and has tea breaks oh, in the middle my. of it. Yeah, Sotteropolis is getting the upper hand on these exchanges. A lot of head movement though. It's it's you can tell both these guys are grapplers though. It, it's not natural for them to strike. Yeah. It's not like what we were saying with the uh, the Matthews Henzel Gracie fight when we did one twelve. Is that you look at something like Usman versus Colby? You oh my! He rocked him there. You can have something like Usman. Got him in the top mount. You can have something like Usman versus Colby, where neither guy oh are out and out strikers, but they can still have a good kickboxing match. And I think we're still back in this days where it's still very unnatural for people. Man, look at this. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, this is a, it's a great scrap, brother. It is. I, I sort of... I oh, feel a oh bit, man. I feel a bit bad for not paying enough attention to it. What Sotteropolis <laughs> was doing there, though, that's something I'd like to see more people utilizing. Like, if they're, if they're throwing up the triangle guard, I love seeing the elbows. I oh, don't yeah, see yeah, enough yeah. fighters doing that. Like, I remember what Whaley did to um, Jessica mm. Aguilar. Like she Good example of that is GSP versus Bisping. And nobody expected that at all. Because Bisping just has yeah. no sort of jujitsu game whatsoever, but he was destroying him with those elbows. And George yeah. just basically yeah. had to had to pull out of the takedown because yeah. he was taking so much damage. Yeah, you don't see that enough. It's definitely warranted though. I see that a lot in Ryzen. I see more guys doing that in Ryzen. Then again, I, they are throwing knees to the head and shit. Yeah. Like they're just trying to kill the guy. <laughs> I'd like to. See, I'm a bit old school. I'd like to see more guard players in MMA. I think that's part of the reason yeah. why I like like Paul Craig so much because it's just something so old fashioned about him, like pulling guard and working for triangles and arm bars. You you don't get those sort of fighters these days. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really happen that often. There's a rising card recently where a guy synced in a guillotine after it was so weird. He did a flying knee into a guillotine choke. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I ever seen that before. It was incredible. Gotta see stuff like that. I'm pretty sure Angela Hill retweeted the clip. She said, I gotta try that sometime. So I might see that. When was the last flying submission we had in the UFC? Uh. I don't know. <laughs> Mighty Mouse? Yeah, I was about to say that. The Ray Borg fight. If you could call it that. Yeah. I tried I tried getting in touch with Ray Borg. I'm looking to try and do some interviews for the show. No answer back. Yeah, he's probably a busy guy, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, busy I'm, family life. I am uh, think I might be naming a bit, um, bit too high with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so that you got one at him, so that's pretty crazy. Well, we hope to. We hope to. Um, he said that he was open to uh, speaking to people online. I put my name out there and he said, yeah, uh, next week we'll try and get something arranged. Um, I hope I can do because, like, Warren's a big character. I know his UFC run wasn't the most successful, but, like, big, large, and light personality. He's got himself a new home now. Um, and I think as well, being a heavyweight, he'll have a lot of things to say about John Jones going up there. Yeah, you gotta get deep on the show for that. Yeah. He would definitely carry the show on that. He definitely answer or ask some great questions for him speaking of john know, jones going to heavyweight what's your take on that i think it's a quite an unusual move but i don't think it's unwarranted i don't think he's 
ducking anybody, really. I think that's pretty ridiculous when people say he's ducking Reyes because when you look at his rematch history, John Jones's rematch history, it's all across mm-hmm. the board. He makes sure there's, there's no errors at all. Like the Gustafson rematch, that wasn't even competitive. Looked sort of like the Verdun fight. He just shut him down completely. Although the other big connection between John Jones's rematches, Sotiropoulos is dominating this round. Good elbows. Yeah. Um, steroids. <laughs> no, fought, dude. This fought, is fought, there. He fought Daniel Cormier, and he got popped for steroids. Got stripped of the title, and then he fought. Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about the fight. <laughs> and then, and then with Gustafson, there was all the picograms um, controversy. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They switched the the whole venue. I can't even remember the last time they did that. Um, I mean, we're talking like when they moved it from like New York to Dauphin, Alabama, like UFC 12. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like old school when it almost like ruined the whole business and almost tanked them. And yet they're willing to uh, do that on seven days notice. And I mean, credit where it's due. The UFC putting on a Yeah, they pulled it off like brilliantly. Like, there's, like, no difference if you didn't even know about any of that and you just skipped right to the pay-per-view. You wouldn't even know any difference. Other than them saying that it's in wherever it switched. I forget where it switched uh, from. It was um, California at the fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the only thing you'd notice, really, but they pulled it off. I don't think anybody pulled out or anything after the switch or anything. I know, got him on a I know Corey bus. Anderson was very unhappy. Because oh, yeah, he, he'd already best. paid for all of his travel expenses to get over to Vegas. And I know, and I think <laughs> this was around the time as well he was trying to make a claim for a title shot against yeah. Jones. So I remember him going on Rogan's podcast and he was quite brutal about what he thought about John Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. What do you now think? we're going to see him fighting Bader. Do you, do you think they're still going to do that fight or do you think they're going to do him versus Nemkov? I think they're going to do Bader versus Anderson, whoever wins that. They might do. And then David. And then Davis versus. I was actually thinking Davis versus Machida, whenever that one gets Nemkov. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great fight. Imagine Machida fighting for a title. Holy shit. <laughs> well, he's a baby by Bellator standards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's not fighting the Frank Mears or anything yet. Speaking of Frank Mears, uh, did you see Roy Nelson's performance? He looked horrible. Awful. Roy hasn't looked great for years. The stats were horrible. Like, he landed, like, three punches in the first round. He was horrible. He was another Fedor prospect, though, wasn't he? Um, Mikowski, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was piecing him apart. It wasn't even competitive. (laughs) It was so brutal, man. Bellator doing those young... Those young stars up against those legend fights. Oh, man. Some of those could be brutal. But that's exactly what Bellator should be doing. Yeah. There's two ways they can approach this. Um, they can either go for, like, legend versus legend fights. Say, hey, we can't get much mileage out of this guy. So let's just put on some fun fights that the fans will like. I think they've started doing that to an extent with Fedor. Um, yeah. And yeah. then there's the other approach, which is say, hey will put somebody against one of these legends and if he blow through them that they get a bit of rub off for that um do i personally agree with it i don't know i i've seen too many times where a fight's been used to try and give a youngster a rub and the impact is much less than what uh like the ufc or bellator thought it was going to be 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You excited for uh, Fedor versus Verdum too? I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I think it's a fight that needs to happen because there was so much infamy around the first fight and what the implications of that. Because that basically made Verdum. Verdum became... Yeah. Verdum was taken a lot more seriously after that fight. And you could argue that that was the end of prime Fedor. Fedor was just never seen as the sort of great mythical figure. Well, no, mm-hmm. like, you can make the argument that the Verdum fight was a fluke. He just got careless and got caught. The one that ruined it was the Bigfoot fight. Yeah. That put a nail on the coffin. And, and the Hendo fight, that pretty much that put the dirt so on the sad. coffin. I mean, it was a hell of a fight. People forget, like, for a round, one round fight, it yeah. was amazing, but Fedor should not have been losing to Dan Henderson. And I mean, a 41-year-old Dan Henderson was still as scary as he come, but he was so undersized. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. The size comparison in that fight. What about the si- that was just a barn burner. <laughs> what about the size comparison between um, Fedor and Bigfoot, though? Like, people forget Bigfoot was oh, a scary, yeah. scary. Freaking huge, man. Massive. Yeah, beige frequency. He did like a TRT era video. I think TRT Vitor MMA lore. And uh, he talked about Bigfoot because he, he seriously needed TRT. Like, he had a medical condition that needed it. So that's like the most sad case about when USADA came into effect and banned that because he literally needed that. So I think horrible, I read somewhere one thing. of his uh, one of his coaches said that Fedor's not Fedor's said that Bigfoot's testosterone level was so low. Oh yeah, he started <laughs> lactating. Yeah, yeah, I read that. That's horrible. Like, oh my god, like he couldn't get a medical exemption or something from that, like. That's crazy. I think he did uh, before TRT was banned because there was a certain amount of TRT that you could take, but because Bigfoot was needing it, he was allowed to use more than what was allowed. Okay. But of course, USADA came in and he just lost all of his... Well, he couldn't take a punch anymore. Oh, was... my. George just... George just clipped him on the ground. Oh, vicious, elbows. Vicious elbows. Tell you what, I've never been the biggest fan of Sotiropoulos, I always found him a bit boring. This is one of his more <laughs> exciting matchups. Yeah, a lot of movement. These guys are yes. very... A lot of adrenaline going through. They're not stalling at all. They're constantly moving. And I'm, I think I'm right in saying that I don't think the UFC had the featherweight or the bantamweight division yet. Yeah, I don't so, think so. So lightweight was the smallest weight class. So these were basically the flyweights of 2010. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I say that as a joke, but like, you know how people like take the mick out the flyweight division, saying who wants to see small guys, who wants to like none of them can draw that sort of thing. They were making the same criticisms back around this sort of time. Like Frankie Edgar versus Graham Maynard, their second fight, like one of the best fights of all time. That only did about like 130,000 buys. And yet, lightweight's the most stacked division in the UFC right now. Speaking of stacked, did you see uh, John Jones when he tweeted out uh, an Artem Lobov gif? And he said, <laughs> I always hear about this guy. Don't really get the joke. Is he some sort of killer? 
And I just saw now Artem replied two hours ago, Yes, Johnny, this guy is your hardest fight after you saw that. <laughs> I, I love it, man. I've never... It's a very unsubtle joke, the Lobov joke. Because the whole gist man, he's of it... on it. He's on the hype train. The whole gist of it just seems to be, ha ha, this guy loses all the time. Let's say he's great. <laughs> yeah, that's literally the joke. It's it's a bit weak, and I mean, like, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of MMA Twitter which is actually very funny. I think lately it's getting shitty. Have you noticed that, man? I've discussed this with McMally on the streams. So MMA Twitter has gotten into the dumps, man. It's too much fighting, too much petty shit. Yes, yes, I've seen that from a lot of people. Um, yeah, a lot of people digging up old clips of people when they're out of shape and shit. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> That's why I'm so glad I don't do any videos or anything with my face on there. I'll probably do a face reveal for something coming up, but I could be doing videos every fucking day of well, my face. <laughs> well, personally, I, I think one of the great things about using an alias on uh, Twitter, which I, I do use, is I think because I'm representing a brand, I can't be as blunt as what I normally could. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. I, I don't really care anymore. I used to be like that, but people know that I'm associated with Joey Diaz. They expect crazy shit. So <laughs> I just don't oh, care. Oh him. my! Yes, that, that did enough for me to win the fight. I got dominated for the last, <laughs> like, 14 minutes, 55 seconds. But that would yeah, be the fight. Rules. I love that. I love when fighters have obviously lost the fight, but they still put their arm up as if to say, yes, I won that. Volkanovski in the Holloway rematch. I scored a 3-2 for Max. Um, yeah, Max looked incredible in that fight. So much better. Yeah, I feel like he definitely took his time and watched that fight many, 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 many times. And he just looked impeccable. It looked like he ironed out all of his issues that he had in that fight. There is no way that he was training off Skype. Yeah, I think that was crap. Yeah. You should do that more often if that's true. <laughs> I didn't like the big hair, though. Fuck Skype, just don't do it entirely. You'll probably be amazing. You'll be the GOAT. I will say, though... Um... I didn't like the big hair on Max. He needs to go back to the skin. Oh. Man, I'm glad I don't have a webcam right now because I haven't had a haircut in... I don't even know, man. <laughs> I oh. think it was January or something. Oh, I mean, really I mean, when lockdown first started, like, obviously didn't have any of the hairdressers open. And at one point, my hair was basically a cross between Dominic Reyes and Hobo Connor. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess. Yeah, mine's bad. I have to wear like hair gel and a hat and shit when I go out in public. <laughs> I just need to get the back of it cut. Like I got like a mullet going on. It's horrible. This will probably get that done next month. I think the barber uh, shops are opening up. Am I the only one who thinks the um, the mullet seems to be coming back into fashion? That, I mean, there's a lot. I've seen I a lot more mullets. But yeah, it's just like people have just given up all sort of taste and decency and just use the excuse of lockdown. 
Yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to shower for another three or four days because I'm it's not going anywhere. Quite interesting anywhere. to see because you get other people who do the complete opposite and they just don't want to deal with it and they just go completely bald. I seen chicks shave their head, dude. And your opinion on that? <laughs> what bald chicks? Yeah. Rose Namajunas is pretty cute. <laughs> I think so. I think so as well. To be honest. Um... But then you can. I feel so like if she kept that hair, I feel like the UFC would have pushed her as like that Ronda type of fighter. They would have pushed her sex appeal a bit more if she kept that hair. Do you think they would have done that? I think they would have done. But I think, in a way, shaving the head became her selling point. Because, I mean, if you yeah. were on the street and you asked somebody to name which of these people is a champion mixed martial artist, you're going to go for the bald chick. Like, like Rose is to a lot of people the bald MMA fighter, so it's sort oh, of become yeah. her her thing. All right, the George Sotiropoulos fight has just ended, and we got Eddie Bravo with his long later tonight. Wow, look at that, dude! I mean, just Brock the, the size of Brock, and it, that's what oh, made this fight. Shit. That's what made that fight so interesting was because. <laughs> We'd seen how... That's Paul Heyman in the background. Yeah, look at this. This is nuts. <laughs> it was so surreal having Brock in the UFC at that point. I know, like, we did the whole CM Punk thing, but that was always treated as a joke. But Brock was a legitimate athlete. And just that sort of mix between the WWE and MMA just coming together. Because I remember yeah. watching a video where, after this fight... Uh, Ariel Helwani was talking to like Jim Ross, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Goldberg, yeah, Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah. It was just so weird to see these two. So like, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but one is so showy and so flash, and the other is sells itself on being real. But Paul Heyman, you know, to his credit, very knowledgeable because he was t he was talking about the fight, and obviously we'll get to it in a lot more detail. But he was saying like. Josh Rosenfall had a hell of a call to make there. He got it right. If Mazzagatti was calling it, it would have been stopped. So Paul Heyman knows uh, his stuff about the sport. Like I know, um, I know Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. He's very big into it. Like he's not just a fair weather fan. He knows in complete detail about the sport. I'm surprised they didn't get Dave Batista do a debut on the UFC he actually had a fight didn't he, he he fought in MMA he had the one fight didn't really look all that great to be honest yeah <laughs> he fought this guy Vince Lucero who had like a losing record bit out of shape um and Batista you could tell Batista wasn't comfortable doing it I'm surprised the UFC hasn't done a celebrity match to be honest I, I it was really close with that Tom Cruise versus Justin <laughs> Bieber I think that's the closest it ever got wasn't there a rumor Joe Rogan wanted to fight Wesley Snipes? <laughs> when was that? It might be before my time. Yeah, I think that was that was a long time ago. That was like when Wesley Snipes was having all of his like legal issues. Yeah. They would have been giving him like bail money. Oh, listen to this. They got the royalty-free walkout <laughs> music. Sometimes that can be quite funny, though. Because um, yeah, the John Jones one is so funny when he comes out to little <laughs> Rick James for it, and it's just some copyright, just some plain royalty-free music. <laughs> the one that sticks in my mind was um, um, 
like Shevchenko comes out to like traditional Eastern European music, and yet they had like this sort of generic hip hop instead. <laughs> yes, because Valentina Shevchenko listens to that kind of thing in his spare time. <laughs> Definitely. All right, we're on the fight. This is Stefan Bonner versus uh, Chris uh, Chris Swinski, I think. Swinski. All right, first fight I'm ever gonna see him in. Who's this, uh, Bonner? Or, uh, yeah, this is this is Bonner. Does look like Chael from that angle, but it is Bonner. Tell you what, the you know what? In hindsight, the UFC really dodged a bullet when it came to the result of the uh, first season of the Ultimate Fighter. Because like Forrest Griffin had a very good career. He was like former champion. He works for the Performance Center now. A very well respected figure. If Stephen Bonner had won that fight, like Bonner never really lived up to the expectation. And I think being the first Ultimate Fighter to have that kind of underwhelming career was. And I mean, no, no disrespect to Stephen Bonner. He's, I mean, he did it. He made event. He made event. He made evented events. Fought Anderson Silva. So he wasn't a bad fighter, but his career was nowhere the level it was for uh, Forrest Griffin. Yeah, it's quite strange, actually. What is Stephen Bonner doing now? He's had a lot of legal issues. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised noticed... he's not with like a, like a one championship or a Ryzen I... or something as like their American representative. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of those over at one championship now. Like what what? Yeah, Rich Franklin. That's the best one that comes to mind with one championship. Like I know and Misha. Misha works with them as well, but like. Meisha was sort of sold as this sort of like proper executive position, but the only times I've seen her, she's just basically Megan Levy. She's just interviewing yeah. fighters. I think her second baby's due. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Very beautiful lady. And happily married as well, so I'm not going to go there. My, okay, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to bring up the Colby Sirius XM interview. That's my favorite Misha memory. Oh, tell me about this one. You don't know that interview? No, you have to remind me. It's the one where uh, uh, Colby got like banned from like a Sirius XM radio show because he brought up her nudes on air. <laughs> He like said like you only got famous because you posted your new pictures online and <laughs> it broke down it was like dead silent for a while and then she she got really heated she got pissed off and then mm -hmm. the guy that like the co-host on the show he's like yeah you know what we're not gonna have you for another another episode on the show and that was it they kicked them off i'm gonna be interested to see how the how the mainstream audience reacts to colby because i think a lot of his notoriety around the time of the Usman fight, a lot of it was people wanting to see him lose. Now oh, Jason hates him. <laughs> now that's happened, him. are people still going to be as interested? I'm surprised you never bring up, he, he talks shit about a dead guy, dude. Well, the one that I really didn't like was uh, bringing up Matt Hughes. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Matt Hughes, he took it. He took it on the chin, though. He posted it on Instagram. He said it was a funny post-fight interview. I always keep my chin up. It was like some something inspirational. It was actually pretty nice. 
Like, I understand... Oh, yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> like, I understand the fighters need to try and sell themselves. And... Oh, Col yeah. Colby's, Colby's realized that, because he was... He doesn't have the most en entertaining fighting style. So, he needed to do something to get people talking about him. He's done that. But he's done that in, in my opinion, quite an easy way. I mean, if you wanted oh, yeah. to just do something that's going to rile people up, then his character is as simple as to come. Yeah. Here we go. First round. The Clock. battle continues. Clock's on there. 456, 455, 454. This is fight number two. And Sawinski is oh, coming my. out aggressive. <laughs> Trying that, to take him out early. That was a bit Guida versus Sanchez, that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Although that looked better to me because Guida's hair is so mad. It was just flying all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, it probably looked way worse than it actually was. <laughs> like, I can't believe he fought with that. That's what my hair feels like right now. Always in my face. <laughs> and Clay, Pretty much that size as well. <laughs> and Clay Guida's still fighting. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. Doesn't he have a fight? Does he have a fight lined up? I think he fought Bobby Green a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be out for a while then. Bonner gets the takedown. He's in full guard right now. Yeah, we gotta focus on the fight. And this has always been Stefan Bonner's forte. One thing I will say about Bonner is he was a fantastic jiu-jitsu guy. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, outside of, outside of that fight with um, Griffin... The one thing that sticks in my mind about uh, Stephen Bonner, like the big Stephen Bonner moment, was when he had that confrontation with Tito and Bellator. <laughs> that, that's what you think of? That's like the cringiest shit I've ever seen in a, on a large stage in MMA. Oh my, he's going for an armbar here. Oh, Bonner big scramble. Oh my! He's up against the cage throwing some big shots on Bonner. Trying to kill him. Going for the takedown in the clinch. Savinsky wants this on the ground. As much as Paul have seen the bleeding yeah. up on his eye. Yeah, it looks like it's Bonner's got a the massive cut. Yeah, it looks like they're stalling up against the cage right now. Sometimes, you know, I think a lot of this stalling against the cage is just trying to buy themselves. I mean, if you have like an adrenaline dump, you just need time to rest. Mm hmm. You see that a lot in these old school. Well, yeah. not this isn't really old school, but like pre USADA era, you see a lot of guys trying to go for the kill and then they gas themselves up. And there's, there's a little bit of clinch work there that stalls them out. You can tell that they're rested. Well, the big one for that was Tank Abbott. You get about yeah. 10 seconds of explosiveness from Tank Abbott, and then he was just knackered for the rest of the fight. Oh, yeah. And yet the guy was a massive star. Like, after... Like, you would say Hoist Gracie was the first big superstar in uh, the UFC. Then it was Tank Abbott. And yeah. Tank Abbott had a losing record. He was on an episode of Friends. Yeah, he was in WWE for a bit. Uh, WCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I read before full on WWE. This is the funny story, you know. Uh, the writer for WCW at the time, Bonner is struggling here. Yeah. Bonner did not like those shots. 
yeah, the guy sort of Costa-esque. These shots here, he's just smothering him. Just vicious hooks. I like that about Costa's fighting style. Like Costa was just all forward pressure, and it's about backing people up against the fence and just teeing off when they get there. Oh my, Bonner's fighting back though. Great fight. Very good fight. And I've seen the first fight between these two as well. That was a great fight as well. There was a bit of a controversial ending, so they even have to close <laughs> run, it, run it back. Yeah. Just going back to my story though, uh, the guy who ran WCW at the time was a bloke called Vince Russo. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran Vince this Russo. story that they were going to vacate the title and Tank Abbott was going to win the belt in a battle royal. And the story goes that that idea was so badly received, they fired Vince Russo. <laughs> that's funny. Now that's, oh my! Tell you what, that's one that I'm surprised that uh, MMA on point haven't done oh yet. Oh my, Bonner's hurt. It's very, it's, it's almost a bit Bandelier-esque. Oh um, my, he is hurt bad. I was just saying that maybe it's the bald head, but there's something very Bandelier-esque about Savinsky. <laughs> yeah. Just that sort of hands down, wild, big swings. Oh my god, that was a nut shot. Right, did you see that? I saw that. <laughs> he ate that, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Gotta get a clip of that. Holy crap, he ate that. That was like a clear nut shot. <laughs> man, Bonner is just busted up. Mm. Not a good round for him. No, Savitsky won that first round. You know what, I'm surprised MMA on point haven't done a video on um, like <laughs> MMA and pro wrestling, something along those sort of lines. But I mean, I think everybody's done that kind of video on uh, YouTube. They always tell me, like, uh, if if a fighter fought and, well, not fought, quote-unquote, in, like, wrestling or anything, always go to use WWE footage. Like, they always tell me to use that. <laughs> so I'm always using that. I used that for Tank Abbott in the uh, first video I uploaded for them. Yeah, I think, I think with the WWE, I think as long as you're not blatantly stealing entire episodes, you can get away with using a lot of their footage. Yeah, it's quite strange. I always hear that their WWE Network or whatever is amazing. It has like a catalog of so many wrestling organizations. And they have a lot of exclusive stuff on there as well. So yeah. they've got like, because I think... Um, NXT have like regional regional events like they have like NXT Japan, NXT UK and they're swinging again. Oh my. <laughs> this is nuts. We're, we're at 440 second round. 39, 38, 37, 36. You guys got it. 33, 32. Oh my. Holy crap. See this is the sort of fight that you need on a big card like Lesnar versus Carbon because a lot of people will be tuning in for something like Brock, and now Bonner's on the attack. Uppercuts, Savinsky doesn't like it. Oh my, <laughs> cracked him though. This is crazy. This is brilliant. Holy shit. This is why I like doing these rewatches, because not a lot of people on MMA Twitter dig deep, honestly. They don't try and pull up stuff like this. They only I... go for like the big knockouts. And you forget these like forgotten great fights. Like, can you remember yeah. that um, that Mark Munoz Kendall Grove fight from UFC One Twelve? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great yeah. Fight. I was about to bring that up. 
never even heard of that until we watched that. And this is <laughs> one as well. Like Bond is on the yeah, top same now. here. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh head my, kick. the head kick. But you see, like you'd have so many casual people oh. coming in to watch Lesnar and Carlin. Oh my! And they're going to stay for sorry. something like this. Trying so hard to talk to you, but the fuck is such it's a so great crazy. fight. And this was supposed to be our backup in case we ran out of things to talk about, but it's been so good. Elbows to the side. We've got two. What do you very... going to happen with uh, Frankie Edgar? Well, I'm surprised by this one. I ran the poll on the YouTube channel, and they had Edgar at about 65% favor to win. Really? I think Munoz is going to take it comfortably, I think. Yeah. I love Frankie Edgar, absolute legend of the sport, but 37 years old, and considering a lot of Frankie's success came to being so light on his feet and being so quick, it's going to be hard to do that against guys who are just as quick. So he's a 37-year-old. Oh, oh, big it's name. Hurt. It's over. Big it's name. over. Stefan Bonner. Mario Yamasaki being Mario Yamasaki Mario right on top of the action here. He's okay. <laughs> a normal ref would have stopped that. That is a Best very... This is a very Yamasaki non-stoppage here. You got to fight back. You got to fight back. Why isn't he stopping this? It's alright, he's fighting back. And it's over. No! That's a bad stoppage right there. That should have been stopped a lot, <laughs> lot earlier. Man, that's huge. Holy crap. I, I just bought a Chuck in the background there, Chuck and Dana. Because this was, I think, a month after Chuck and Rich Franklin. Okay. So, like, Chuck was basically retired after that point. Yeah. Tell yeah. you what, that... Everyone that talks knee about... buckled up. Oh, Holy big time. Crap. Tell you what, there was a run around sort of... Everyone says that, like, that run from, say, UFC... Um, say, 202 through to 206 was, like, this amazing run of UFC events. But that run from, like, 115 to 118, where you had Silver versus Franklin, um, Lesnar Carwin... <laughs> Uh, Silver versus Sonnen, and then Edgar Penn too. Great with the pay-per-views as well. So this was this was really sort of like the golden age of the UFC, in my opinion. This was when they were getting the biggest ratings, and well, yeah. If you look back on the ratings, it's crazy. I see Reddit threads of people chronicling like it's like right after it's like around like one oh nine to like up to like one twenty. It's like amazing buys. It's incredible, and it's nowhere near that right now. Yeah. Uh, the last pay-per-view got like 500,000 which I was think. good which was solid um, trying to think of like other like comparable heavyweight events because for the heavyweight champion Stephen was never really a massive draw like I don't yeah, think I feel that... like it was more who he was fighting against like the Nganu fight yes that was definitely that got a lot of that got a lot of buys as well because people but Stephen wasn't the A-side on that one yeah Francis was the A-side that's what I said. Yeah, it's all about the opponents he's facing, really. And I think that's sort of an argument that some people use against Stipe. It's sort of what mm -hmm. I touched on earlier, that 
for all the success he's had, for all of his achievements, he's never been the man. He doesn't have that sort of aura about him in the way that, like, like Francis Ngannou has that charisma. You look at this guy, you see the way he fights, you hear the name Ngannou, you think this guy is scary. So you're retiring here? No, no, I think what well, Bonner went on for, like, I think his last fight was about UFC. Well, he fought UFC 153. Let's pull it up, Jamie. <laughs> Step the bottom. We need, we, need a, we need a Jamie on this show to do this sort of stuff for us. Yeah, we do. I always felt there was something very WWE about Bonner. He was, yeah. he was always very aware of the show, I felt. Yeah, he's definitely good on a mic. Tell you what, this is a hell of a fight, the core main. Not, not a lot of people talk about this one, but Chris Lee and Akiyama is a great fight. Don't want to give too much away. You know when they do those breakaway shots where they're trying to preview the upcoming fight? The, the one thing I've noticed is when they do it on the modern stage and they just have them in the back and they're just doing those sort of, um, sort of air punches, and it's just so half-hearted, oh, I'm just going to try and pretend to punch someone like that. They proper tried back in these days. I mean, look at that. Speaking of Chris Lido, he's in a bare knuckle fighting championship. He fought there a couple times. That disappointed me. Pretty good, I'm pretty sure. I mean, look I, it up. I mean, each to their own. I mean, a, a guy wants to try and make himself a living, but the guy had a perfect send off. Like, he had that fight with Dan Hardy, and that was a hell of a fight. And that's a great way to. Go out, in my opinion. Oh, oh yeah, man, he got a got a knockout first round in his debut, and then he got a decision decision win. He hasn't fought since. What That's like 2019. What about Page? Page. <laughs> Page Van Zandt. What about um? What about that bare Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see. I should have watched a press conference. I don't think they announced who she's fighting yet. Still, That's probably going to be like a November event, I feel like. But I think they delayed a freaking event until like September. I think it was supposed to happen this weekend. They delayed it all the way to September. I think November, November the, uh, is supposed to be Paige's debut. Okay, yeah, okay. We'll see who they put her up against. like to see Beck Rawlings. That'll be sick. Beck's actually taken to it quite well, from what I've heard. Really? Okay. Like, they talk Into about the, like, um, like... I can't remember if Paige, uh, not Paige, uh, Beck still has a belt. I don't think she does. I think maybe she relinquished it, because I know she went to Bellator after a while, because she was winning really good. Like, she was doing really good in there. She was the champion, and... Well, she went to Bellator and lost her first fight back. Well, Twitter talk so. about these uh, mythical fighters. And they were jokingly saying bare knuckle back. <laughs> yeah, that could work. She was really good, dude. <laughs> but it just thinks about the competition as well. Yeah. Like I can't it's, even it's remember a very any low, of the it's a low level competition. <laughs> like I can't even remember any of the opponents. I do find it quite funny the way that Twitter was reacted to this because one of the big criticisms people had about Paige Van Zandt was, oh, she's just an Instagram model. She's not really focused on fighting. Yeah, anymore. this is crazy. And yet she chooses <laughs> the most brutal form of combat spot that there is and i feel like she's gonna hands. bring up that exact point in like a pre-fight interview they do that all the time they invite them they like interview them like 
two hours before the freaking thing even starts. You'll definitely see her saying that. She just wanted to dive right in and show people that she's a real deal. I could definitely see her saying that. My worry, though, is Paige Van Zandt was never that much of a striker. And if she did strike, it was yeah. mainly kick-based. So yeah, having like her in a straight-up boxing That crawling match, is knockout. Like, that was a head kick. Fantastic knockout as well. Yeah, but she can't be doing them bare knuckle. No. <laughs> I'm right in saying that um, I'm right in saying that uh, Gonzaga and Bigfoot fought in bare knuckle. Yeah, they did. That was a great fight. <laughs> You're a lot more into bare knuckle than I am. Like, it, it's it's I can't take it. I think maybe it's, maybe I, it's that's in... an organization I can gladly say I've watched since the first event, and I've literally never missed one. <laughs> I've watched everyone live. I just love it, man. There's something about it, man. Just the way that they present that recently, like their last show, it gotten a lot cleaner in terms of like the presentation, yeah. like the the graphics that they had. It looked a lot more professional. It didn't look like a back alley, like a, it didn't look like a fight TV thing that you'd see. It looked more legit. Because that's one thing I was saying about um, when we had Tim, we were doing on the preview shows and we talked, I think it might've been after Malinaji versus Lobov. And we're just sort of like talking between ourselves about bare knuckle fighting. And Tim says, hey, I've been to a couple of these shows uh, in the UK. Yes, you hear the name. Yes, you hear the premise in your head and you think it's it's scummy. But the actual yeah. presentation is very formal. It's a lot better than the name gives you the impression. Mm-hmm. So this is Chris yeah, Michael like versus it. Matt Brown. Matt Brown back in his... Um, Dare I say journeyman phase. Yeah, it's quite strange. You see guys at bare knuckle, like veterans like this. Some of them have success. Like Chris Lieben, he actually fought. Well, Chris Lieben was made for bare knuckle. Just his yeah, fight like he style. won his first fight. Like he knocked the guy out in such brutal fashion. It was devastating, man. And then I think he got decimated in his next fight. And he hasn't fought since. But like this was it's quite strange. This was the time, you know, like Matt Brown, I think he was on season seven of the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't really do all that great. Was pretty much on the verge of being caught. And then all of a sudden, he wins seven fights in a row, just knocking people out left, right, and center. He gets that fight with Robbie Lawler. If he won that, and it was a competitive fight, he was going to be fighting for the title. Yeah, that's crazy. And I love those, I love those turnarounds. Like, like someone was telling me that Jan Blachowicz was like he had one win in four when he started in the UFC. He's gonna wow. be fighting for the title. Four weeks time, he's gonna be fighting for the title, and he lost to Pat Cummings. I think that fight will be crazy. It's gonna be a lot <laughs> Reyes more. Reyes versus Jan. It's gonna be a lot more competitive than people think. I favor Dominic Reyes. Yeah, but Blachowicz has that fight-changing power. He is a very yeah. He's a strong, strong bloke. That's a guy I've definitely considered doing a video on. He's fucking nuts, his power. That yeah. knockout over Corey Anderson, it's like he killed him in midair. Like, it was so crazy that punch he landed. It was insane. Well, he timed that uppercut so well. Uh, yeah. Have you ever watched the uh, fight ending sequence with Polish commentary? Yeah, yeah, you sent me that, and then, <laughs> then the parody McGregor Rousey account tweeted out the racist version of that because they saw you tag me in that, dude. 
You're the cause of that. Sorry about that. He fooled people though. He actually got people to think that he was the real McGregor Rousey. Isn't that crazy? A parody of a parody account. Yes. Fooling people that it's the real parody account. Mind you, like Jason, Jason replied to it. He's like, normally you're pretty funny, but this is downright racist <laughs> and disgusting. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but laugh. It's just so funny. See if you would fall for that. <laughs> for some reason, I get a real enjoyment out of seeing, um, seeing people the, falling for fake accounts. Yeah, the fake announcement that, that Tim Selvia tweeted out the Chuck versus Tito four. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. So many people fell for that. You hate all the Even comments. the actual president. You see that tweet that I said you? He said, this guy's hacking me. I did not announce this fight. <laughs> read, reading all the comments saying Chuck could barely get up off his stool. What the hell is he doing? Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad, man. They roasted Chuck so hard. <laughs> it's And that's sad. That, that, I understand the fighters go on past their prime, but... A fighter know, like Chuck Liddell, who was so important to MMA, should be this joke figure. And yeah, we should it, do a timestamp. We didn't even do a timestamp. We are. Dude. Sorry about this. Uh, 312, oh 3-11, 3-10. And it's actually been a really good fight. Like Matt Brown is just proper hands down, coming forward, swinging. These are the sort of fights that you should be holding for a, a, a card like this. You want as many casual fans as you can, so you just put on barn burners. As many barn burners as you can. Mm -hmm. I think Brendan Chubb was on the prelims for this. Why didn't we watch that, dude? Oh, yeah, you fought uh, Chris Tuckshire, I'm pretty sure. Tuckshire, <laughs> that's pretty easy. I always thought he looked like something like a squashed version of Brock. It was like a. <laughs> I, either yeah, I Brock or. You know, the, you know that really muscular ref? Yeah. Mini Brock? Mini Brock, yes. Gabby Copeland. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I love that guy. Oh, look at this. Matt Brown's got a Darce choke in. That's deep. Oh, my. That is tight. You can see the, you see the arm literally twist around his neck. Well, you can see how Red Lytle's face is. You can see it's, it's tight. Oh, my. I think with a dark wiggling. The problem with a dark You see his door. fucking vein in his head popping out. Holy. Two veins are popping out now. <laughs> and I tell you what, that's really close to Steve Mazzagati. Usually Mazzagati's like right on the other side of the octagon. Yeah, this is Mazzagati. <laughs> I forgot. We're in the Mazzagati era. You know, I've actually got a really good story about the main event relating to Mazzagati. And it also plays into part on what happens in the main event as well. But there was a big deal about Josh Rosenthal being the referee for the main event. Because a lot of people were saying, was it going to be Herb? Was it going to be Yamasaki? Um, but apparently Brock's team just flat out said, oh we do not want Mazagati refereeing this fight. <laughs> well, we are proper in the just bleed era, aren't we? Yeah, this is nuts. I can remember one of the uh, social media accounts, you know, they posted that um, they did the sort of comparison between the old school MMA fan and the new school. 
And yeah, it was sort I of saw like, that. They were sort of like saying, all the fans want now is just stand-up wars, that sort of thing. I was thinking, hang on a minute. There was a guy in the crowd with his shirt off and the words, just bleed, screaming <laughs> into a camera. They wanted brawls back in these days. I mean, I, I, I love great stand-up fights, but... I think people have a lot more time for the ground game now than he did say around 2010. Yeah. Actually come to think of it, how many of the big drawing stars have been grapplers? You sort of like look at the core five, like the big like superstar UFC fighters. Uh, like, like Khabib was a wrestler, Brock, Brock was a wrestler, Ronda was a judoka. GSP was a wrestler, so you've got like four of the biggest draws of all time. They were all grappling based. Daniel Cormier, greatest of all time, wrestler. Fantastic. <laughs> you disagree <laughs> with that? <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think DC is in that sort of second tier. I think it's all like a top echelon, sort of like great, mythical. Well, I don't consider him a heavyweight because he didn't really fight there his whole career. I, I, I consider him a goat. I consider him more of a heavyweight than I do a light heavyweight. Cormier always looked like he was just trying to push a bit too hard to get yeah, down to 205. For me, the best DC performances are all the ones he fought a heavyweight. I mean, the way he yeah, took everybody apart always Bigfoot brought that and Strike Force. Or Josh Barnett. The Josh Barnett performance is amazing. Okay, we are in the second round. 455, 44. Oh. 52, 51, 50, 49, 48. Matt Brown is winning this fight. I think so as well. But they're sort of like a second tier. Man, the Lord <laughs> Chris sort of like Lytle is just swinging at air. They were sort of like a tier below that sort of top level tier. And I put I put DC in the same sort of places as people like a, like a Jose Aldo or the Mighty Mouse or someone of that sort of ilk. Like great fighters, but not so like all time oh beloved my. legends. Oh man, Matt Brown's hurt. Lightning's got a guillotine. guillotine. He's going to try and get himself into full uh, mount as well. So even if Matt Brown gets out of this, Lightning's going to be in a great position. See, right now, I would be thinking, hey, I haven't got this sub anymore. I'm going to posture up and I'm going to tee off on it. Because that was the one thing that, like, we were talking about um, Dustin and, oh, reverse Man, triangle. look at that. That's fantastic, that. So you can maybe go for a crucifix here. It's always been the issue with Matt Brown. I don't think Matt Brown was ever the greatest jiu-jitsu guy. So you got him in positions like this. He was always very vulnerable. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the reason he had so much... Matt Brown's going out here. He's out. Very impressive. What do you think of the Venom no, he's deal? Not out. He's not he's out. Gone. He's gone. He's wow. gone. Wow. That was... Chris Lytle. Lytle was winning that fight. Lytle was losing that fight as well. Yeah.
And not a bad stoppage from Steve. By his normal standards. I was just going to say though, like obviously Lytle's wearing the yeah, Venom shorts here. Do you have any opinion on the Venom deal? Uh, it'd be interesting. I think it'll be... A, I think it's going to be more geared towards like the UFC 4 design. I think it's going to be more like that. I think they're going to try and do a more more sleek urban style like that <laughs> i don't even know how to describe the ufc4 art style but i think it might be sort of like that if i had any guesses i like the i like the fact that we've got a combat sports company producing combat gear but yeah i don't think venom has that same mainstream appeal yeah and especially and there's sort of like real co negative connotations about venom's gear as a result I think Reebok, even though the quality of their products weren't, wasn't great, there was an air of legitimacy about the company. Yeah. Um, I would assume that they would do Venom first and then Reebok. Yeah, and I'm sure... I'm sure Quite the Venom, strange. It feels like sort of a step back. It does. I actually think there's a lot of that in, um, in the UFC right now. Because even the sponsors, there was a lot of sort of semi-legitimate sponsors who were associated with the UFC and then you look now at now we got Trojan you got Trojan condoms you got Manscaped we're sort of like going back to the condom depot days yeah Manscaped that's fucking MMA on point is sponsored by Manscaped god buy your Manscaped today have you listened to John Anik's podcast because he's sponsored his podcast is sponsored by Manscaped so he has to do everybody's sponsor but <laughs> he has to do a call out on his podcast and so we got john anik the sort of legitimate face and voice of the company and he's talking about have you ever had to have you ever had to grapple with somebody who had a massive bush sticking out of the singlet <laughs> and he does a proper straight face as well he's a complete pro oh yeah man it's a professional here we go yoshihiro yakiyama akiyama don't worry, I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I actually, Sexy Yama. I included Akiyama on one of my videos. It got taken down because of copyright, but um, um, he was one of those guys who I think a lot of people had hopes in when he came to the UFC, but it just never worked out. Yeah, he's huge in Japan, man. Sexy Yama. <laughs> one of the best nicknames of all time. Yeah, that's freaking legendary. It's always good when the nicknames actually work with the name. That How way when Bruce Buffer announces it and it sort of rhymes, I feel like that's pretty sick. I'm <laughs> um, trying to think of some of my favorites, uh, nicknames. Yeah, it's hard to think of something like that off your top of your head. I, I kind of like Daniel DC Cormier, Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier. Like, <laughs> that's so lazy. <laughs> the worst one for me has to be, and I, we were talking about it before, Corby Anderson. Beaston 25-8. That, that's thinking too... That's thinking too hard. And we seem to have lost the uh, Discord. We're not responding. Or to look like what you see on YouTube nowadays, to be honest. What was this? Man. Yeah, my feed cut out just there, so you'll have to repeat that one. Oh, I was just talking about how the, the promos, they look sort of like what you see on YouTube nowadays. Yes, yeah. It's that, the editing style. The editing style, the, I think, I understand why the UFC do it, because it's just easier for them. 
But um, there's not much creativity in their promo style. You know what sort of thing you're going to get. No, I just mean like these promos right now, like they look very similar to something you'd see on YouTube right now. But it's just part of the time, I guess. Tell you what, they're showing a lot of clips from Makiyama's debut against Belcher. That's a hell of a fight. Yeah. Because I think that was UFC 100, so that was another Brock pay-per-view, so they were going Speaking high Speaking of 100, uh, Stefan Bonner fought Coleman on that, I'm pretty sure. He did. I included that on my um, old guy moments. I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever saw that fight, was on that video. That blew, that blew my mind. It looked so weird. It, like, Bonner just completely shut down in that. He couldn't get anything off. It looked like Coleman just went into his classic pride mode, and it just... Bonner just couldn't do anything. It's almost like he let him, honestly. Coleman's, <laughs> Coleman's second UFC run was so weird. I mean, yeah, the, the it way the, so bizarre. <laughs> the way the guy fought, he looked like he was almost like a relic from like a different era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely was just... tell that like he was aged. Like his foundation of fighting skills, it definitely didn't age properly. But sometimes it just worked. <laughs> To be honest, I think you can make an argument that Hammer House was probably the sort of like the worst great gym in MMA. Because I mean they had a lot of prominent fighters and they had a lot of people who were successful, but they were just all power wrestlers. I mean, could you yeah. imagine I mean imagine Kevin Randleburn if he had like proper stand-up game? The guy would have been ridiculous. Well, I remember I heard this story literally yesterday. Like Chuck said that uh a couple days before Randleman fought Krokop, he was walking around in Japan and came across Randleman. He, they said, what do we do? We literally don't have a game plan. He was with Coleman. They just said, I think he just said, just go in quickly and don't let go. And that's exactly what Randleman did. Went in and he immediately clapped him. Yeah, I think just we put could... on him the same pressure. Yeah, uh, these days we call it the uh, Tarverdian strategy. Yeah. <laughs> No, you I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I, we give Edmund a lot of crap, and quite rightly so. But, you must be doing something right to get guys into the top 10. It doesn't mean you're a great coach, but it doesn't mean that you're... I mean, I'd much rather be training with Edmund than Australian fight team. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and this is where the... Um, V-dub music hurts because you have somebody so iconic as Akiyama and just coming out to generic stuff. Because you should be here in time to say goodbye. What now. is this? Because he would always come out this, to. There's would, no way this is this isn't right music. <laughs> no, he would come. He would come out to orchestral music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not it. Right now, I'm hearing it sounds like um, a boy band from like 2002. <laughs> like it sounds like, NSYNC. like in sync or so. Yeah, in sync. It's very mellow, but it sounds exactly like that. It seems so out of place right now. Yeah, I'm holding up the seat. Like it's, <laughs> it's just a boy band. It's awful. Why'd they pick that? I think they just try and go for something that sounds vaguely similar. Uh, I bet a lot of this sort of um, <laughs> royalty-free music is just stuff that Dana White likes. 
Like, Dana must have the most early 2000 taste in music ever. Like, you listen to some of the stuff that um, fighters come out to. It's just proper from around this era. Oh, yeah. The one that always sticks in my mind, you know, like, in terms of, like, strange walkout music is... Is one of my favourite stories, considering what happens in the fight. But when Rose beat Ioana, she came out to Supersonic by Oasis... And the story goes that that was the music from Mark Godbeer. And the audio team played the wrong walkout music. So, That's funny. So he's not like the biggest moment of Rose's career. And she's walking out to something that she, she probably never heard of Oasis in her life. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Do you have any favorite walkout music? I don't have a favorite walkout. I have a favorite walkout story when some guy was changing Roy McDonald's music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's picking yes. his music. That's so bizarre. <laughs> I think they had it where, like, they would literally just text him, like, what song do you want? And, and the guy would just pretend how to use Rory and he would just respond with a song name and they would just do it. <laughs> I oh. think it was something like that. Like, it was, like, a different number or something. I was. I want someone to come out to Enya. I just want people's reactions to hear just like this proper sweet um, Celtic folk music. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away. Alright, talk for a bit. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. Of course, yep. Call me an event for this one. Yoshihiro Akiyama taking on Chris Lieben. Bit of background story about this one was that originally Akiyama was supposed to be fighting Vandalay Silva. Vandalay picked up an injury, Chris Lieben stepped in at short notice, and then eventually, the winner of this fight did go on to face Vandalay Silva, which in itself, very infamous matchup. Maybe we'll get to it in a couple of uh, months' time. Um, in terms of other videos that we'll be looking to be doing, what we always try and do is we always look at the main events, which are coming up. If you've got your screenshot, if you're watching this on um, With Us, on Fight Pass, Chris Lieben is wearing a truckload of mascara in that tail of the tape. Just getting back to my point. What we'd always like to do is we always want to watch an event which has some sort of connection to a, a preceding or upcoming UFC show. So obviously UFC um, 253 is going to be around the corner. So we've got middleweight title fight Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. So we're thinking for our next one, and I want some of your input on this. Um, what what show we watch? Uh, so we could watch a classic event from Adesanya's portfolio, uh, one from Paulo Costa's. Um, alternatively, we could have cards which have both of them involved in some capacity. Great middleweight title fights, fights between unbeaten fighters in the main event. So we're looking for those sort of um, combinations. I've got a couple of ideas in my mind. Um, I'd love to hear what you think. I'm wanting to go old school. If there's an opportunity to do something which is like proper like UFC, UFC 54 or 55, swing along those sort of lines. Or even like a strike force card. But again, it has to have some sort of connection to the upcoming events. And then of course 254, we're going to be doing something with uh, Khabib's going to be in there somewhere. Or Justin Gagey. Anything with Gagey to be honest would be fantastic. 255, we'll have the flyweight title on the line. Um... We'll wait and see what's going to be happening with 256. I know they've announced one of the title fights for that card, but 
I certainly hope it's not going to be the main event, but those are some of the things we've got planned. We're going to try and do at least one of these classic rewatches a month in terms of the rest of the podcast, uh, which is just the generic stuff where we're talking about what's been happening in the news. Um, we'll try and do those whenever we can. It's just basically a case of if we have the time and we're basically masochists, we'll go with it. This fight started though, we're at 4.55, 4.54, and Akiyama is already triple even. 4.50, 4.49, Lieben trying to roll out of it, Akiyama tries to throw up the knee. And after a fast start, we're finally starting to slow down a little bit. I will say though, if you look at Chris Lieben between now, at this point, what UFC 116, and then compare him to when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, he was always a wild brawler, he also... Very entertaining yeah. fighter. You can see he's a lot more cautious by this point in his career. He's not the wild, hands-down, sort of mini Vandalier type. Alright, let's see how this goes. I was just telling some of the uh, team about some of our upcoming plans for their future shows. Obviously, 253 is going to be around the corner, so I was thinking like a great middleweight title fight or something involving Izzy or Costa, uh, potentially a match between... Uh, two unbeaten fighters, because that's a big selling point of this one. Alright, you're gonna have to give me some time to think about that one. <laughs> a lot of good cards with Izzy. Maybe the uh, Gasolump card. I was thinking that. But the thing is, the two, I would like to do something recent. The, the two title fights are fantastic. The rest of the card wasn't great. Like, can you yeah, remember Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant? Awful fight. Oh, we got a nut shot. Isn't me or have nut shots become far more commonplace recently? Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's like a running joke that like Paul Felder's <laughs> on all these cards. And he started yeah, counting... Yeah, I'm glad he's noticing it. I'm Literally to... every event that he's on, he'll start saying, oh, am I going to have to start keeping track? <laughs> Did I'm... that on the Tuesday Night Contender. That's actually been a big talking point as well, because a lot of people have been noticing that Dana's been a lot more generous. Oh my! With the amount yeah. of um, with the amount of contracts he's given out, and a lot of people are saying, "Hey, obviously you need to U chill out." <laughs> well, the UFC need to get themselves more fights, because obviously the the all pretty much all the events are going to be happening in America, because there's no indication the Fight Island's going to be happening again yet. Yeah. So he needs American-based fighters to fill these shows that would normally be filled sort of like by generic Brazilians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like that's why he's doing it. He is. And I think there's a lot of people who, I think there's, don't get me wrong, I think there's some fighters on the Contender Series so far who have been very good, but there's some which I don't think UFC level. This has always been Akiyama's forte. Akiyama was a fantastic yeah. judoka. I think he fought him one recently. I think he did as well. I might, although I might be thinking of Gomi. No, Gomi last fought uh, Galar, didn't he? He's the Ryzen. Yeah, Ryzen. Yeah. Ryzen's got their full hands on Gomi. <laughs> they almost set up uh, Pacquiao versus Gomi at one point. Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. Honestly. They yeah, must... no joke. <laughs> no joke. They must have some kind of money behind them, you know. I don't think it got past, like, just the negotiations. I think it was maybe a thought that 
Sakakibara had. I think <laughs> I think that's all it was. Ah, uh, so it's a bit like Tyson versus Bob Sapp. Yeah, that's something that came up in like an AMA. It was like a Ryzen English AMA, and we were talking about Pacquiao, and they said that Sakakibara wanted to set that up. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> told them don't do that. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't. You know, if it wasn't for me being worried about copyright, I would love to do a video on the Floyd tension fight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's weird, on point to... <laughs> I said, okay, or I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I had to do that for a recent video, Gabby Garcia. So <laughs> I did dig up some footage of that. I've actually been uh, doing some reading up on like the, the whole Gabby Garcia fight as well because I've got a video which I've got planned, you know. Um, won't give away too much details, but um, part of so, like the origins of it uh, stem from Yumiko Hotter back in her prime. Because she was okay. like in the proper, like the proper early years of women's MMA. Like in Japan, they were like pioneering it. And Yumiko Hotter was one of those Japanese pioneers. So people just thought she was like this random grandma that just picked out the crowd, but she actually had some MMA fights before yeah, the Gabby match. Yeah. Like, she knew what she was doing, though. She was putting on a show. Yeah, that was a storyline that they were trying to build, because there was going to be another fight with someone from that team, another grandma. <laughs> they, they literally had it ready to go. They did the weigh-ins, and Gabby weighed in, like, 26 pounds overweight. So that fight got scrapped, and it just never came back up again. We're at the end of round one. Very frantic round. I would give it to Akiyama because of the takedowns. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, brother. So what have been the other big talking points which have sort of taken your interest? <sighs> Trying to think, brother. <laughs> What's with all the brothers? Have we gone full-on Hulk Hogan here? Oh, it's just a simple way to break the ice when I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think... Uh the last card we talk about Shabazian at all <laughs> uh yeah I think we did yeah oh, we we didn't talk about O'Malley at all dude we've been avoiding that completely I'm I don't know where I stand on um, sh like the whole Sean O'Malley thing because like there's a lot of people saying oh it was a fluke and um Cheeto Vera just looked his way into the win it was a fluke in that that kick would normally not do any sort of fight altering damage. In this case, it did. However, um, it wasn't a fluke in that Cheeto threw the kick. It was Cheeto's reason for that. It, was, it wasn't just sort of a, an accidental thing like Anderson breaking his leg. Yeah. I'll tell you what we can do, though. Uh, we always like to do this on these shows. Um, remember when I started start the whole thing about the boys' stable? I've got a couple of fighters on my list here. You've got to determine whether or not they're worthy of being uh, our boys, as it were. So I've got a yeah. list. I've got a list of names here. Uh, just some random names on the recent fight card. You have to determine whether or not you sort of rate them as a boy. Uh, Jim Miller. Yes. Livia Souza. No. I quite like Livia, actually. She's got quite a quirky personality. 
I know she sort of, <laughs> I know she sort of looks like a mini Nunes, which is sort of a bit off-putting. But she, I've seen some of her interviews. She's actually quite funny. A uh, couple of oh, other names. Oh my! Couple of other names. Kevin Holland. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to have a bigger definition on boy. It's yeah. been so long since we talked about that. <laughs> and Darren Stewart. Uh, yeah, I like that guy. I like Darren Stewart as oh, well. Oh man. Okay, Th this is turning into a brawl here. Leaving Corton with a big left hand there. Oh Again. my. And Akiyama's not like, oh, he caught him there. Oh, he oh, wobbled him. My. He wobbled him. Uppercuts. Chris Lieben is the toughest man in the UFC. Holy he just takes so shit. many shots. How many brawls have we had in this car? This has been brilliant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is sort of like a prototype version of uh, Gilbert versus uh, Diego. Man, they are just firing away. Right on the chins. Okay, they're in the clinch. <laughs> they need to rest. Oh man. I nice judo sweep right there you don't get that sort of level of judo it's very rare you get like a world quality judo but when it happens i love seeing it whether it's like ronda or akiyama or um carlo parisian when you get good level judo in the ufc it can be so great to watch it's just not a great discipline to translate to mma because it's all about closing the distance mm-hmm mm-hmm But yeah, I like uh, I like O'Malley's mindset after the loss. Yeah, I mean he's getting he's getting a lot of a good he's getting a lot of blowback <laughs> for it. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, you're just being an arrogant prick and all that sort of thing." These guys are in a discipline where they're having to try and beat up each other. You can't have doubts. You've got to think that you're the best thing to ever live. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. The one thing I have noticed though, and it's sort of it's something we touched on when we talked about Shabazian uh, a couple of weeks ago, that I think there's a lot of people who hate this sort of like have this sort of like tall poppy syndrome when it comes to MMA fighters. So if there's any prospect who the UFC start getting behind, the fighter in question attracts more hate than what they should. But the thing is, it's the job of the UFC to try and big up these guys to try and say hey this guy is somebody worth looking for because if they didn't you'd have nobody interested when they reach the top it's the UFC just doing their job and you can't really take it out on people like O'Malley or Edmund because Edmund Shabazzian wasn't saying I'm the best thing since sliced bread I've seen some of his interviews it came across very quite a likeable level headed lad if they do start believing the hype like I think Macy Barber did then it becomes a problem, but I don't think Sean and I don't, and especially don't think Edmund went down that oh path. Oh my, Akiyama keeps on hitting, leaving with these long shots. And I'm surprised by that because you'd think that the stand-up exchanges, which is that Levin was going to be have the upper hand. Oh in. my, Levin caught him though. Oh, oh my, that was a bad one. On the chin. And again, oh. and again, and again. I think this was included on the USC's list of their 25 greatest fights. I think yeah, you can tell why. Bruce Buffer getting into it. <laughs> He's got the best job in the world. Oh, yeah. 
It's always front center stage. Gets paid more than the prelim fighters. <laughs> the one you get to punch somebody. The one buffer moment that always sticks in my head, and I don't know why, but it was after Connor versus Khabib. Like they had the brawl, they ushered Khabib out of the octagon, and then Buffer, like after about like a good 10, 20 minutes of trying to clear the arena, there was Buffer just standing there and just saying, "The winner by submission, Khabib the Megamid." I'm just thinking, yes, all the attention is on me. <laughs> Like, I always do the... I always do the intros, you know? Like, when I do the intros, I always update it so it's the most recent champions celebrating with their belt. And I was thinking, if that was a title... If that was a... If the title had changed hands, and then we had the full-on brawl, we wouldn't have had that slow motion. So it would have just been the slow motion of Khabib jumping onto um, Dylan Dennis. So it's like... Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could work. I like that. He's a... Uh... I think the most recent one, I've, I think I think Piotr Jan's on the intro right now. Because yeah. they, they don't do it for the fight night. So I haven't got Davison. Alright, here we go, brother. What's your opinion on Davison versus Garbrandt? I think that's a nightmare matchup for Garbrandt. And I think it's crazy that they're giving him that shot. But I think it's... In terms of looking for the biggest money fight in mm -hmm. that division. To stack up a recent card... I think Quickly, it, I think it's the best option. I think it could be a hell of a fight. Absolutely. But it's a fight that it shouldn't, be bad. it shouldn't be happening. I think if yeah. Garbrandt's serious about making a run of flyweight, he should be fighting up the card. He should do what Dustin Poirier did. Start off around sort yeah. of number eight, number yeah. nine, and then try and work his way up. Fight Manel Cape, dude. That'd be freaking sick. Debut have, against Manel Cape. Have they rearranged the Bontarin fight? Oh, I don't know, but I think I've seen him in the gym training, so he might be okay. I don't know. He did have an injury, though. That's why that fell through. So it wasn't COVID? No, no, no. It wasn't. It was an injury to, like, his knee or something. But I don't think it was serious, because he, he was in the gym pretty recently. Like, I don't think he tore his meniscus or anything crazy like that. That's can opener, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think Akiyama was going for a can opener. Which I don't think I've ever seen one of those in top level MMA. I did see one guy on the British regional scene win with a Boston Crab. Oh man, he's got the arm bar. I read this. Oh man, this is not oh, good. He's trying to pry out that arm. Very close to doing it as well. I read somewhere, you know, that the success rate of submissions for between male and female fighters, and I think there's 16 percent. Oh, it looks like he tapped. Her, her, her body tapped there. I think like 16 percent of submissions um, were arm bars for the men. It was like 44 percent for the women. Okay. I think it's a, I think it's quite a a risk averse submission. Normally, you end up in a pretty okay position when you go for it. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm oh man, Akiyama and full mount. This has been a really end to end fight. This has been really good. I don't know whether I like this more or the um, Stephen Bonner fight. 
Yeah, I think I like the Stefan Bonner fight just a bit more. I think this has a lot more variety. I think maybe the reason why I like this one, because the Bonner fight was just pretty much just a stand-up fight. We got a little bit of grappling on this one. We got a little bit of stand-up. And I mean, Chris Lieben, especially being so active off his back, which he never was for a large majority of his career, he was just a brawler. Definitely around this sort of time became a lot more diverse in his portfolio. <laughs> I love the double punches. You tell you what, that, that's very Bisping-esque, isn't it? Like the way he was working those uh, elbows in. Oh, yeah. And you see, you can make an argument that Lieben's winning this fight because I gave, oh, Lieben, I gave Lieben round two and he's been more active in this uh, round than Akiyama is. So I personally say that Chris Lieben's winning even though he's on his back. Yeah, Akiyama is on top, but he's not doing anything. He's just getting punished. I oh, think, man. Uh, Chris took a big shot there, though. But no, Chris is trying to make something happen. Akiyama is not enjoying these ground strikes. Well, the different rules between uh, Dream and the UFC at this point, because Akiyama just doesn't seem comfortable with the shots from the bottom. Triangle. 35 seconds to go. <laughs> Pop a drum in there. He's, he's going. Oh, man. He's going there. It. He's tapped he him. He tapped. He tapped. It is all over. That was, that was enjoyable. Good fight. Chris Lieben was an animal back in those days. Like, just proper wild brawler type. I was saying to people, you know, while you were on your break, that... Originally, it was supposed to be Akiyama versus Vandalay. Okay. And then Lieben stepped in on short notice. And then, of course, they do Lieben versus Vandalay, and we know how that turns out. Yeah. <laughs> Not great if you're a Vandalay fan. I was actually thinking, you know, like, I've, I've been... I've got plans to do videos. It's very similar to that sort of biggest bus video that got taken down, by the way. Um... Just copyright, I'm not even going to bother fighting it. But um, Really? Think, which video? There was a couple of them which were done by... I think it was... one. It's like one of the Japanese variants of Sky. I think it's because I was using like footage from... I think Dream, or one of the Heroes Dream, one of the... Um, That's strange. One of the Japanese... Very strange. They told me that I could use that on On Point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fight it all, but so basically that bus video's down, but the positive from it is I can do longer videos focusing on the fighters I mentioned. So yeah. I was thinking about doing something similar to like what I did with Cyborg the UFC years, but like I've, like I've got one planned for like Fedor's Strikeforce run, I was thinking about doing another one for like Vondelay when he was in the UFC, just to sort of like lesser remembered tenures for other promotions. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because the thing was, Vandalay didn't win all that many fights. Maybe he was a bit past it, but the fights he had in the UFC 
were nearly all classics. I mean, you look at the amount of post-fight bonuses he won. It was ridiculous. Oh, this interview is great. <laughs> you can probably turn on the audio for this. I'm, I'm going to play it safe. <laughs> I am. I, I, again, I'm walking on eggshells when it comes to copyright, so I'm just not going to try and take that chance. What's he saying? I'm a highly respected fighter. If it's on my feet, if it's on the ground, I get the job done. Now there's the company as well, Affliction on his t-shirt. You missing, do you miss Affliction? <laughs> I miss Affliction MMA, dude. Yes, that was one of my least watched videos, you know. Um, I maybe tried to frame it the wrong way. I think when YouTube sees certain people and certain things mentioned, it hides them, cause I I framed it around uh, Donald Trump's. Um, I called it when Donald Trump tried MMA, but I think mentioning him in a sort of semi-positive light will always get some sort of blockage done. So that video only has like about eight thousand views, which is like the lowest Damn. of any of them, any of the normal videos I've done. I mean, apart from the preview shows, but they only get about like 10 people watch anyway, so. But I love making them. They're interviewing a fighter that just lost. The one that comes to my mind of like brutal interviews were after uh, Gonzaga versus Krokop. They actually interviewed him after that, dude. They interviewed Krokop. Yeah, you can see Krokop. He's completely out of it. He has no idea what happened. And they're they're interviewing. They're asking him what happened, dude. And <laughs> what the hell do you expect him to say? <laughs> like, but yeah, you can go back and look. I remember one time I found that out, and me and my roommate, like a couple of years ago, we went back and we thought of like just vicious knockouts and just saw if there was an interview with it from this era. And yeah, there's a lot of them, dude. <laughs> what about Overeem's Phantom Top? Oh yeah, that's. That's a good one. <laughs> that's recent, though. That's pretty recent. That's that's that, the one that made them stop. <laughs> it was either that, yeah, they made them stop, and then Rogan broke it uh, after DC Jones two. Yeah, they break was it retire. sometimes. Starting at the main event. Oh, it's flown no, by. It's no BJ Penn versus Frankie Edgar five or anything. <laughs> no, that's coming in bed uncle fighting. Yeah. Oh, Delahoya's going to do it. Yeah. Speaking of Delahoya, you got... He's uh, trying Pavetkin to come back, isn't versus, he? Uh, oh, yeah, he is. But you got Povetkin versus Dylan White tonight, <sighs> brother. Good fight. Good fight. Yeah, that's a stoppage. That's a stoppage if I've ever heard one. I think Povetkin is maybe a bit past his prime these days. But he gave AJ a lot of problems. Yeah. And I, I remember I was working for a sports uh, radio show uh, and I sort of became like their combat sports specialist. And I love the um, UFC undisputed graphics they're using here. Yeah, this is so funny. It's like $60 pay-per-view and they're showing you these graphics. The worst part is, though, is those graphics compared to what we're getting in um, on UFC 4, they're not that <laughs> bad. Yeah, and they got Shane Carwin. Look at that. Yeah. Shane did the right thing shaving his head. 
I think he looked a bit more alpha when he shaved his head. I mean, just something about the receding hairline doesn't really scream the baddest man on the planet. But again, I wouldn't want Shane Carwin. I would say that to Shane Carwin's face, put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Do you think uh, Do you think Rogan and Goldberg still remain in close close to one another? I don't know. He's never invited him to a JRE. No. And I think that would be That's great. so bizarre. That's so bizarre that he's never done that. I liked, it. I liked it when he had uh, Josh um, Josh Thompson on. Like, to Josh yeah. is like a proper big Bellator man. So they I'd were love talking. to see him get uh, Michael Chavello on there. That would be perfect. I know they tried to get Luke Thomas. Luke's very cautious about obviously with COVID, so he's not going to be going over to California. But he said for like around sort of March time, he was ready to go, and then he shut everything down. Because I mean, yeah. say, what, say what you want about Luke Thomas, I think he's a very fascinating person. Yeah, I think he's a better analyst than freaking Robin Black. I used to like Robin Black a lot, but... But he's binks. Recently, he's gotten so stupid. <laughs> There's this one video that was going around that, like, really proved to me how bad he's gotten. He was talking about, like, AJ McKee's like Shaolin monk stance and stuff, and he's talking about his wing chi dragon punch and stuff. Like it was so stupid. It was nothing technical at all. It was just gibberish. <laughs> like it sounded like he was like high or something. Like he was just talking out of his ass. <laughs> it made no sense. No technicality or anything. I think it's so hard when you find a niche. Like when you, when you find something that works for you, but you need to. You want to try and grow, but you also want to cater to what made you so popular in the first place. I mean, look at the size of these two. Yeah, holy shit. Oh my. Like, proper knock the mouth, mouthpiece off there. Because what made it interesting for me was that, like, obviously we've seen what Brock was doing to people like Frank Mia, Heath Herring, etc. And maybe not... Maybe he was rushed to the top. But... The sheer size of the guy, just out-wrestling them and just out-bullying them. And then when you have Shane Carwood doing exactly the same thing, and arguably bigger than Brock, and he wasn't even full-time. He wasn't a full-time fighter. It's That's what made it so interesting to me. And then, of course, you had the fact that Brock was out for so long. Was he going to be the same fighter? Had Carwood just sort of stolen his thunder by just basically being the striking Brock? Do you think... Carwin was the original in Ghana? I think so. What I've always said is one of the dream matches I would have always loved to have seen is in Ghana versus Carwin. <sighs> man, he'd be like an old man. <laughs> kill him. I mean, not they now. Not him. now, obviously, but a prime Shane Carwin versus Francis Ngannou. That would be one of my dream matches. And personally, I think Shane would win. Because people forget that Shane was like a Division One wrestler. Yeah. Like in that uh, Frank Muir fight, he was uh, he had him in the clinch there for a while, and that's how he knocked him out. Frank Muir was in the clinch with him, and he was stalling him. He wasn't getting him on the ground or anything. He stalled him out, and then he just exploded on him. And I remember, I think it might have been, I think it was, I think it was Dan Miragliotta was the ref. And he even says before, because he spent a long time in the clinch, he said, I need you to work. And Shane's just like, all right. Uppercut, uppercut, uppercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a scary, scary when, dude. 
And the thing is, you look at his career, his career was very, very short. Just yeah, it's everything quite just it reminds me of TJ Grant a little bit. Just a sort of like big flash in the pan and then just it all yeah. seemed to stop. Yeah. Because he went on to, he, didn't he do a Ultimate Fighter season and he fought JDS? And he just, he seemed to lose that confidence. He became yeah, very self-conscious. in like the second round, you could see he just wasn't into it. He, I think he, he was very aware of what happened um, against, um, against Brock in this fight. And I think yeah. he just didn't have the same sort of willingness to pull the trigger. Is that Trevor Sort of what you saw with Ngannou. Yeah, it is. It would make sense, Colorado. Yeah, it is. See, I don't know about you. I think Trevor Whitman is the best coach in, in the sport right now. It's either him or Eugene Behrman. I like Edmund. <laughs> Edmund brings the laughs. But you know, you know, there's just, there's just some people, you know, that just can't win with people. Because I remember, obviously, there was a lot, I think a lot of the big backlash that Ed, that um, Shabazzian got was the links to Glendale. And people were coming out and saying, oh, well, Ronda was bigging up her, her like, protege, and now she's gone quiet. And then a couple of days later, Ronda just says, she responds to Dirk Bunsen and she says, um, thank you for the fight. This was a real learning experience for Edmund. And then people criticise her for that. It's like, <laughs> you were criticising her for not responding, she responds, and then you're saying, oh, she's been so false, all that sort of thing. There's just some people who can't win. I love I those love banners. <laughs> like, Dana White hates those banners. Big part of the reason oh, yeah. why he brought in the Reebok deal was because he, he just thought those looked really tacky. Which, yeah. ShaneGarwin.com. I'm going there right now. Google it. I want to see what comes up. ShaneGarwin.com. Oh, web hosting courtesy of Bluehost. It's, it's done. Dead. <laughs> I remember the. the hell, that's one thing that reminds me of uh, when Chuck fought Tito uh, for the uh, De La Hoya show. He was still wearing his old shorts, so Iceman.tv was still on the shorts. And that, that hadn't been around since, like, 2012. Yeah. Holy shit, look at this. See, this Brock is when... Lesnar about to walk into the cage. And this is when Brock would have been um, coming out to enter Sandman. That was his, that yeah. was his uh, UFC theme instead of get whatever this is. Okay, we'll give him that. This music does fit a bit better yeah. than the last music I was talking about. <laughs> it's just some... Royalty free heavy metal just goes with it a little bit, I guess. Tell you what, I'm from the UK, but I've never seen Jack Link's beef jerky anywhere. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) I can't tell you. Like, just some of these companies that you see on these UFC sponsors are just so sort of synonymous with the sport. It just can't work in normal society. Like, I've never seen Dynamic Fastener. I've never seen Dude Wipes. I've never seen Blowout Cards. <laughs> like, honestly, of all the MMA sponsors, Blowout Cards might be my least favourite because he uses really cartoony 
um, logo. Because oh, I know, because yeah. like Sarah Kaufman, like she like wears the big baggy shirt when she fought, and she was sponsored by Blue Card, so you had this sort of like big bang with Blue Card written in the sort of like Comic Sans font, and made it look really amateur. <laughs> I've spoken to Sarah a couple of times, you know, she's actually a very lovely person. Sorry, there's a fly in my room. I'm trying to kill it right now. I don't think I'm going to get it, dude. I might have to give up. <laughs> I had a funny experience with Hornet when I was in the um, when I was at the gym. Because basically, they've reopened the gyms in the UK, but they spread all the furniture out. So basically, you've got all the running equipment, all the cross trains, all that sort of stuff, in the old sports hall. And there's like windows open everywhere. Obviously, they want to try and keep as much air circling as they could. And I had a hornet, which like proper buzzing around me, like in front of me face, like that. It was... <laughs> I mean, I was spooked originally because I thought it was a wasp, but it was an irritant, like really proper bothering me. I've always wanted to buy. Have you ever seen those like uh, electric fly traps? T a tennis racket, and you just wave it around the air when you see a fly, and if you catch it, it will just. I've never seen the handheld ones. So like a fry one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the other thing as well about Shane Carwin that a lot of people forget. Like I mentioned that he was like part-time. So I think he was an oh, engineer. Yeah. Yeah. But he was 35 as well. So his his career was very late on. And you just think, what happened if this guy A, did it full-time and B, started <laughs> a lot earlier? Could you imagine like a Shane Carwin around sort of 2005-2006 probably beat someone like a Tim Sylvia and just ran over that sort of dark age of the heavyweight division yeah it would have been interesting that's something interesting you know is there was a good time you know around sort of 2006-2007 the heavyweight division in the UFC was a joke I mean you were having t I mean Tim Sylvia versus Jeff Monson wasn't even a main event they put it as a core main because there was such a lack of interest in that fight. And then, wow. three, and then three years later, we've got the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history. Like, say what you want about Brock as a fighter, but he brought in the numbers. And I've always said that you can't chase the casual dollar, but if you have an opportunity to make some money from it, take it. I'm not saying... Like, I'm not saying we need, like, a Logan Paul versus KSI in MMA. But if you've got, like, a Conor, a Ronda, a Brock, GSP, Chuck, that sort of thing, who's making big money, what's wrong with that? Yeah, that's true. I definitely agree with you, but I would have liked to see Tom Cruise versus Justin Bieber. <laughs> I think Tom would win that. Yeah, that'd be brutal. But I mean, uh, Tom, Tom is... Just, I think... Tom didn't want that fight. I think Bieber wanted to go all in, and Tom, he's like, I got to film Mission Impossible 8 in space, dude. Can't do that. There's no way he can devote that much time to a training camp. He's a busy man. Have you seen the shape that Tom Cruise is in? It is ridiculous that <laughs> yep. a man of his age is in such good shape. Oh, have you heard the booze for Brock? Yeah, boo. Because he's the, he's the outsider. He's, he's the non... He's the guy who's delegitimizing our sport. That's the way it was always seen. 
Like MMA fans are very protective of the sport. They don't like anybody who's sort of like an outsider having an opinion. <laughs> Lesnar. I mean, these two must have had like half of East Germany in their system. Just the amount, the amount of steroids. But this, to me, is what heavyweight MMA oh, yeah. in your oh, head should be about. Just the two biggest, beefiest guys, juiciest guys you can come across. And it's just going to go at it. I would love to have been around for this fight. I really would. All right, here we go. Shane Carwin. Versus Brock Lesnar. And as mentioned before, Josh Rosenthal is our referee. That plays a big, big factor. In the final we result. Go. Do a time count. We do. 454, 53, 452, 451. Law stands from Carlin. He's ready for the shot. It's that air of tension, isn't it? Yeah, holy shit. Oh my god, he clapped him. Brock goes for the takedown, gets it, Carwin back up, knee, and that was basically the fight encapsulated in a nutshell. Could Brock get the takedown before Carwin lands the big shot? You can, you can just feel that. I mean, I know the result of this fight, but just knowing that oh, some, shit. Knowing something's going to happen. Oh my, vicious uppercuts, uppercuts, uppercuts. Shane Carwin's exploding. Brock trying to go for the takedown, Shane stuffs it. Big knee. Lesnar. Shots. Shane oh Carwin is absolutely hammering him right now. Yeah, right now it'll be over, right now it'll be over. Did you, did you spot Chuck in the background? They're probably getting, getting into it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I gotta pay attention to that. No, I think yeah, like this would be over. Another... I always bring this up. If Herb Dean or somebody refereed this in twenty twenty, this would be over. It would be stopped these days. Yeah, this would be over. But it's one of those real touch and go situations because Yeah, my brother would always bring up that uh in championship fights it would make it go on a bit longer. And I think, but, as, and I think as well, if it's the bigger name as well, because yeah, yeah. from the UFC's perspective, they would gain more from having Brock as champion over Carwin. So I think sometimes they give the bigger name a bit more chance than what they should do. Oh man, he's just pounding away. I think that would judge his decisions as well. I always feel like the champion always gets the the upper hand if, it go, if it's a really tight decision and not more than often goes to the champ yeah you can see already the Carwin's Carwin's tied himself out Jones is notorious for that as of late oh my vicious elbow and the question you have though is they say we stop the fight if you're not intelligently defending yourself and Brock is that's that's the big question. It's just, and maybe argue there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Stop it, stop it, stop yeah. it. In my opinion, that's when it should have been stopped. You could see Shane's knackered. Already. He just took too much trying to get trying to finish that fight. What would you say, 10-8 round? <laughs> yeah, 10-7. I'm trying to think the last time we saw a 10-7. Yeah, really, you don't really see that in MMA. No, I think Stu fought this uh, Brazilian dude, got taken down straight away. And I think that was the last 10-7 I've seen in uh, MMA. Okay. And Stu went on to, and Stu won the fight by submission, which is just the quintessential Stefan Stu thing to do. <laughs> oh, here we go. Brock trying to get him. Oh shit, he's up. You know, Stefan Struve would be... Oh, you see Gene Simmons in the Ask background. Ask for Gene Simmons, I was going to say, yeah. So that must be, like, the proper celebrity area. Because, like, like, it's around the same sort of area as Chalk. I've seen Lorenzo and Frank. I think Buffer's around there as well. So that's probably where the, the show busy side. Gene's really big in Twitter, I've heard. He's not, like, one of those fair word fans. He's, like, a quite... Quite big in his sport. Same with Paris Hilton. She got a lot of criticism, didn't she? Yeah, like somebody they... dragged up a clip of her, and um, I think it was uh, Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard one. She was watching that, so she's definitely not a casual. <laughs> she's still watching to this day. Yes, like people were having a go, saying, "What the hell's um, what the hell's uh, Paris Hilton doing talking about MMA?" No, she's fine. Because I, th I think I'm right in saying Gabe Rudiger was her uh, personal trainer. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. End of the round. Few cuts on Brock, but nothing overly serious. Yeah, his corner is telling him there's no way he can recover from that. Oh, we saw that when he walked back to the... When we saw the Shane walk back to his stool. Like, can you remember Francis in the Stipe fight? Oh, and there was man. Like, there was that shot when he got up off the stool and you saw him gasping for breath and you thought, oh my god. Look at him, man. He's begging for water. Well, at least I got ice on him. Not, not better, towels. Better not than towels. <laughs> Never seen that before. What do you think happens if... I, I assume Francis Stipe too is going to happen. Oh yeah. What does Francis do in that fight? What, like, what was the big mistake he made first time around? How is he gonna? Cause the thing is, like, the thing that won Stipe that fight was his head movement. Stipe's striking yeah. defense is very good for a heavyweight, and I just don't see Francis landing that big shot. Yeah, really. <laughs> I yeah, I'll tell you about that if that gets announced. Honestly, that's something I'm gonna have to think about. Oh. Did you just see? Oh, man. You saw just how much lead that Shane had in the system when he threw that right hand. Yeah, we're at 432, 431 of round number two. 429, 28. Oh, man. He still caught him there. That was always a thing with Brock. It wasn't that Brock was had a glass chin. Brock just did not like getting hit. Takedown. Oh man, took him down immediately. 
tell you what I will give Brock credit for Brock was sort of never known as like a, as a submission guy he's just a bit of a ground and pounder so setting up yeah. his arm triangle was very impressive I will give him all the credit in the world yeah look at this Cameron's arm is around Brock's head right now it's it's about half in the choke. A few shots at the side as well. What must that be like, though, to have Brock Lesnar on Holy top Holy shit. <sighs> oh, he's out. He's in full mount. And he's going to switch to the side. Oh, he's there, got it. There we he's go. got it. Personally, I think Shane could have fought this off, but he was just so tired he just did not have that fight in him. Because it's not fully in. Look at how hard he's breathing, man. He just can't. Yeah, he's, he's done. There's a bit of a grimace there. Brock tries to tighten it up. He's gone. It is all over. I love how they Holy found that. Holy shit. I love how they found that the one selection of Brock fans there. They must, they must know exactly who people are rooting for, so they must pen the camera crews. Yeah, if they Holy actually... Holy shit. So if they actually do the crowds, if they open things up back in December, I actually get myself a, a camera there. I'm going to try and get myself there, wear like my, uh, like, an Australia jersey and that sort of thing, so when the inevitable happens, I'll be like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. But no, that's because uh, that fight got announced yesterday as well. Which um, I'm actually a little bit annoyed at you for that because I was ready to go to sleep, and then you sent me that tweet, that tweet, and then I spent <laughs> the like next two hours on social media just proper <laughs> expressing my views on it. Yeah, and then shortly after that, they announced uh, Till versus Till Hermanson. versus Hermanson. Yeah, if uh, that Till's knee is okay, that's Pretty that's surprising. A, that's an interesting one for me because the thing is, both these guys are around the top five, and I yeah. still don't one hundred percent know how good each of them are. Because yeah, Darren Till was competitive against Whitaker, but I think he could have done a lot more to win the fight. And yet Jack yeah. Hermanson got that great win against Kelvin, but then you wonder, is Kelvin undersized for the division? How much legitimacy does that have? So I think it's going to, the winner is going to be really legitimized as a serious threat and middleweight. And I could see the other one having a long road back to the top. I think Till has more time on his hands. I can still see Till coming back from a loss. I think Hermanson, I can't see Hermanson being a champion if, if he doesn't win this. Wow, look at this. And still. And there's a very relieved dinner. A very relieved dinner. Tell you what, the one thing I will say though is what, what you, regardless of what you think of Brock as a person or as a fighter, he was always great on the mic. Yeah. So you're going to have to translate this one for me because I think this is the one where he. The, Frank Mir was the horseshoe one, but I'm sure he makes some sort of really off-the-cuff comment here, which probably gets the crowd going. 
But no, what I've heard about that Megan Anderson fight, though, is that's the last fight on Megan's contract. So I'm fairly certain if the result goes the way that a lot of people are expecting, women's featherweight's dead. He's saying he's blessed by God. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you, a humble champion. And I'm still the toughest <laughs> SOB around, baby. <laughs> See, he must be loving this, because like Brock's, like Brock always played a heel character in the WWE, so he must love trying to get the crowd under his skin. Yeah. Get under the crowd skin, I should say. When was the last? Each shot was less dramatic than the other. I knew he was getting tired. I knew I'd get it done. No, I was lucky. I was lucky. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, people would still be interested in Brock Lesnar coming back. Because I, yeah, that's even, thing. even though the, the whole DC stuff was, um, like, so contrived, people were still hyped for that fight. They still wanted to see that fight happen. I did, man. I love what I love about that, what I love about that whole sequence was him and him and Brock must have obviously planned that out what they were going to say to one another. But DC is absolutely loving it because he's really big into pro wrestling, so he enjoys sort of like playing up to the cameras. You can see he's got this massive smile on his face. <laughs> and Rockhold's dressed like a sailor for some reason. Which is getting an interview with Carwin here. Anything of note? She's saying that he's a tough, tough SOB. I just want to thank God, my family, the fans, and to my daughter and my son. Oh, Mike cut out. I didn't hear what he said at the end there. Probably a swear word. It's pay per view. He said the F word a while ago. I know. think this is the TV rebroadcast. So that's why it's uh, cut a little bit short. So they would have shown this at about 9 or 10 o'clock. And we're actually getting the, we're getting the credits already. So this is what? We're talking 2 hours 13 minutes. So it's quite a, quite a short show to be honest. Yeah, 2.12. But no, thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, we had, the best one we watched, to be honest. In terms of the whole quality of the fights, because I mean, we there's some cards which had some. Like 199, <laughs> 199 was a good one, the first one we ever did. But I mean, having to sit through <laughs> the answer, which we sort of enjoyed from a sort of a, a morbid curiosity side. Uh, I enjoyed Silver versus Maya. Yeah, I'm glad I watched that because literally the first video I had to edit for On Point had that in there. So I had renewed knowledge on it. It was perfect. It's exactly what I needed. But man, I can't believe Carwin did not get that win. No, I Herb think... Dean, man. Uh, Rosenthal. No, I'm saying it should have been Herb Dean, man. <laughs> I to and fro about this one, you know, because... I always think yeah. about that, man. You could argue that Brock was intelligently defending himself, but I think when it got to about the 151 stage of the first round, yeah. they should have called it. 
And I think if if the title wasn't on the line and it wasn't Brock Lesnar, I think they would have. I mean, yeah. would have called a fight there. And it would have been interesting to see what would have happened in the division because I think they would have done they would have done Carwood versus Cain Velasquez. Yeah, they would have. Just getting your feed ready for when you. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. <laughs> here we go. I can rewatch this. Rewatch that. Man, that's so funny how those are the first two ones. Oh, look at that. The first three that show. Yeah, show the Katsingano fight. Uh, they'll hide that one right to the bottom, won't they? Terrain to enemies down there. Yeah, where's Katsingano? It's not even on here when I looked her up. Yeah, it's, it's convenient how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Claire, right. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you again. And it's also a pleasure as well for everybody to be uh, joining us for these podcasts. We get a lot of enjoyment making these shows. We hope that you enjoy them as well. Just adds a mm-hmm. different perspective on how you view classic events. As mentioned earlier in the show, we're hoping to uh, do something related to um, the middleweight title fight between Adesanya and Paulo Costa. We've got a couple of ideas in mind. If you have some yourself, then please get in touch with us. We're still going to be trying to turn out some content both on YouTube and on um, on the podcast as well. Claire, have you got anything that you're working on on your channel? Nothing on my channel right now. I'm just grinding on you know what right now. I'm just trying to get that settled and then, then if I get some leeway, we can work on something. But right now, it's literally been a standstill over there. And uh, hopefully I'll be trying to sort things out. People know that I haven't been uploading yeah. uh, too much of the normal content. I'm trying to work around that, but we're going to be looking at around late. We're going to be around about sort of late September that I'll actually get an upload. I have actually finished a video. Uh, Clay is the first person to ever see that. so <laughs> It's uh, a good one. That's for all for you to look forward to. I might put it on Patreon, actually. So like a bit yeah, of a- that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Until then, though, thank you very much for joining us. This is the INC. Thank you for listening. We'll be back whenever we can be bothered. Bye-bye for now. See ya.